Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Aquadox, the podcast that keeps you up to date on all things aquatic medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Greenfield. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ashley Emanuel, owner of Oak City Aquatics Mobile Veterinary Service. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for being on Aquadox. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be in such esteemed company. You've interviewed some of my favorite people. <laughs> oh, well, it's been a blast making these podcasts. And we actually got connected because I heard your talk at the 2021 AAFZ conference. And I said, wow, you have so much energy. You have so many amazing things to share. Just have to have you on the podcast. I was so flattered. I always feel like such a big nerd when I give those talks. And so any positive feedback is always a surprise and a delight. So, Well, here we are, and we're going to have a great conversation today about what it looks like to be a private practice fish and amphibian practitioner, specifically looking at the interaction between veterinarians and hobbyists. But before we get there, can you introduce us to your practice, Oak City Aquatics, and tell us a little bit about how you formed it and what it is today? Absolutely. I am beyond proud of my little baby practice. I'm always happy to talk about it. So I spent five years in exotics, private practice, exotics exclusive, and had a great time. But while I was doing private practice, I got my cert ACV from WAVMA. So the certified aquatic veterinarian, and I was the first one in North Carolina and realized that I should probably just stop fighting this path that I've had my whole life of really loving the ocean and really loving fish. So I decided to leave my private practice job as much as I loved it and then open and Oak City Aquatics. So it's North Carolina's first fish and amphibian mobile practice. We've been open since June of 2021 and growing steadily. And I'm just having an absolute blast doing it. It is definitely the dream job, which is amazing to get to say I do. That's amazing. And kind of a crazy time to start a new practice mid pandemic here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not my best choice, but I actually left my private practice job right at the start of the pandemic for a multitude of reasons and spent about a year doing in-home euthanasia, which I still do and I still do really like, but missed the aquatics part of it. And that helped kind of really clarify what I love so much about veterinary medicine and where my path really is. So I'm grateful for that year and I'm grateful to still get to do that work, particularly as Oak City grows, but it's been nice to get back to the fish. And so specifically thinking about the fish, we talked to Dr. Jesse Sanders on episode one of Aquadox and what her practice looks like. You know, I know there's no typical day, but what's your day-to-day kind of look like? Dr. Sanders is just amazing. Isn't she? I, I love her to death and she helped me all the way through this whole process of starting my own practice. And I'm just so grateful to her and to everybody else in this field and how generous everybody is with their knowledge and how much we just want everybody to succeed. So the East coast is definitely different than the West coast in terms of what we see. Very similar to Dr. Sanders. A lot of my clientele are koi clients. The difference being that we're in a little bit more of a temperate climate right now. So my caseload has pretty significantly slowed down over the winter. I'm seeing more aquarium cases, home aquariums, (laughs) instead of ponds. And then as the spring and the summer start to pick up, I'll start to get back outside and be doing more pond work. But my normal day-to-day usually involves waking up, getting my kids out the door to school, packing lunches and chaos, and then catching up on emails, calls, things like that. I try to achieve a pretty good work-life balance. So I try to keep my phone off after a certain hour at the end of the day, just to make sure that I can spend time with my family. So I'm catching up on things and then I'll have anywhere from one to three appointments a day, depending on 
on what part of the state I'm going to. So I travel across the whole state and I'm in the process of getting licensed in Virginia and South Carolina as well. So pretty soon I'll add those states to my list, but I have lots of clients out in Charlotte, which is on the other end of the state. So if I can go out there, I try to pack a bunch of cases in and it's usually a variety of sick fish for a myriad of reasons. And when we were chatting before, you mentioned that you just had this crazy case recently that I just have to hear about. So you said that there was a fish and a bobcat? (laughs) It's easy to forget, I think, living in a more suburban area of North Carolina that we have an awful lot of wildlife around here. And so we have bears and we have bobcats and lots of large predatory birds. And so I see injuries in koi ponds because of that, particularly new owners who don't understand that they need to provide some predator deterrence. So these clients become one of my favorite clients on my roster. I just, I absolutely love them. They sent me a birthday card, which is amazing. They're so sweet. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Isn't it precious? One of the things that I love working with clients that I can kind of become an extension of their family. But anyway, so his name was Jamie and he was just the best big orange fish ever. And this super sweet family had just bought this pond. We're assured that koi ponds were very easy, which everybody knows is a huge lie, total lie. Koi ponds are not easy at all. And that's the selling point. Everybody says, oh, it's a beautiful like water feature. It's so easy. Koi are so low maintenance. No, lies, wrong. Everybody's a liar. So they were in over their heads, no pun intended. And they called me and said, you know, something's just not right. We saw saw a large cat by our pond and now one of our fish is swimming weird and I don't know what to do about that. I said, great, I'll come out. It's like an hour away. So I go out there and the first thing about this pond is that one side of it is this sheer 12 foot cliff. And I'm like, okay, great. How am I going to get this fish? And I come around and thankfully there's a little lower kind of landing spot that I can get in and like throw my seine and try to catch these fish. I fell in their filter box Awesome. Because it was just covered with plywoods. Great impression already, Dr. Emanuel. You're nailing it. Totally nailing it, right? Finally catch this fish after the client got in the pond and had to like physically help me catch this fish. Uh, Yeah. You asked what my day is like. This is pretty standard. (laughs) So she caught Jamie and we're examining him and he's got this huge hole in his side. And this is deep. I mean, I can fit up to two knuckles in this hole. The thing that's unique about it is it's oriented at an angle. So it's oriented towards his head at this really deep kind of oblique angle. And I flip him over and I look on the other side and there's a matching one. And it looks like claws. So it looks like something reached in and tried to dig their claws in and catch this guy. And there's tons of necrotic tissue. So anyway, long story short, after about three months of medicating this sweet guy with injections and they bought a hospital tank for their garage and oh my gosh, we did everything we possibly could. He ended up passing away, which is a sad ending to this story. But I think I made some lifelong clients because they're just the best humans in the whole world. The level of dedication to this fish. And as sad as the outcome was, it was so affirming that I'm finding my place in this field because there are people who need this. They needed a vet and I was there to help. And that was just so affirming to me. And like, you know, getting a birthday card totally helps, but. (laughs) Yeah. And so how did you figure out that it was a bobcat? We looked in the area and there had been some reported sightings of bobcats and their neighbors. So I had them check into that and there had been reports um, that there were some bobcats hanging around and then they put up some predator deterrents. We assume it was the bobcat based on the size, but they had also seen black bears in the area. So it could have very well been a silly little bear that was confused, but they since have put up deterrents and nets and we have not lost any more fish to large predators. So when you say deterrence, is that just netting or what are some of the other things that they would put up? 
That's a great question. So I'm still learning about some of this too, but some of the things that they found were netting and supports. And there's also some ultrasonic noise emitters that they can put out. So it's almost like an infrared. So when the line gets tripped, lets out like a beep that scares animals away. For the large birds, you can put out stuff that looks like owls and things like that, just to try and keep the other birds away to convince them somebody's already over there predating on them. I think it's funny when we talk about netting and stuff, right? Because if you have a really motivated bear that really wants a snack, it's going to like laugh in the face of your netting, but it, it works moderately well, like enough. <laughs> and I've only had one client with bear issues so far. So hopefully this isn't a trend. Well, that was such a cool case. That's fascinating. But we got connected, like I said earlier, because of your presentation at AAFE. And I think what really stood out to me was your explanation of the interconnectedness of veterinarians and hobbyists and how we both rely upon each other for success in this field. So I was hoping you could touch upon that a little bit for our listeners and explain your thoughts behind that. I would love to, because this is one of those things I'm really passionate about. And I think it's something that sets private practice apart from aquarium medicine and industry. A lot of people go into vet school saying like, "Ugh, I'm becoming a vet because I don't like people. And it's kind of laughable because three quarters of what you do is dealing with people. So in terms of particularly aquatics as a veterinarian, I think it's so important to listen to your hobbyists. A lot of them have helped establish breeding programs for these really crazy endangered fish and know way more about their life cycle than I could ever pretend to know. So there are thousands and thousands of species of fish that people keep in home aquaria and in ponds. And my big thing is that I can't pretend to know every single thing about every single one. This is not small animal practice where you see a dog and a cat and you can know pretty much everything about them. I I can't do that. And that's okay. So I like to approach my clients saying that like, Hey, I trust your experience here. I trust your knowledge here and how we can work together is you bring the husbandry and I bring the medicine and let's figure out a way to make this work together. And most of the time, if we approach each other with a little bit of respect, that builds a relationship so much faster. You know, you have to establish trust. You have to establish their confidence in you. You have to show that you're worth talking to, because this is a hobby that people have been doing it on their own without vets for so much longer than veterinarians have been on the scene. And so there's a ton of work to do in terms of gaining the trust of hobbyists. And I get to learn stuff from my clients all the time too, which I really enjoy. So what are some of the ways that you are establishing this relationship? I know you mentioned you've got a couple of talks coming up. I really like to work with hobbyist groups in terms of presentations. So I've spoken a couple of times to our local Raleigh Aquarium Society. They're amazing and have some really incredible members. I do talks for a woman-owned marine shop in the Raleigh area. It's called the Sustainable Reef. And she does really amazing stuff with growing these very fancy corals in a private location instead of getting them taken out of the ocean. And so I love working with her because not only is it, you know, women empowerment, but here we are protecting the oceans by encouraging people to propagate corals at home instead of taking wild caught ones. I also have a talk on YouTube with Aquarium Co-op. I really enjoy getting to do things like that in the hopes that it'll benefit all of the aquatic veterinarians. We can establish some confidence in us. People reach out to us more. 
And I'm curious, how have you been received by the hobbyists of late? <laughs> it is such a mixed bag. <laughs> it is such a mixed bag. And I have really had to learn to not take things personally. I think that's a good lesson for anybody to have a little bit of a thick skin, particularly when you're doing more online presence and social media and things like that. There are always going to be people who want to say to me, I don't need a vet. I've never needed a vet. I do this on my own. Here are all the drugs that I can buy at PetSmart. I don't need you. And I say, okay, fair enough. If you don't want me, I'm not going to drive to your house and kick your front door down and start dumping meds in your tank. Like you have to call me if you want to use my services. I'm not just going to like bully you into calling a vet. And for the people who want and need me, like the family of Jamie with the Koi, I'm there. So that's always kind of had to be my perspective. I hear a lot. People say, why would you spend money on a fish? Why are you putting any investment at all in this? And they answer to that is really multifaceted too. There are people who are invested in extremely inexpensive fish and look at them as a part of their family as a really important pet. I've had a family tell me that their beta was their golden retriever. And I said, okay, they had a little boy who had allergies and this fish was his golden retriever. And I said, all right, let's do it. Like, let's take care of him. And then there are people who don't see the value in that. And that's okay. I think the really important thing is to know that you're not going to reach everybody and you're not going to be for everybody, but for the people who need you, you do your best to be there. And your practice has only been open for a few months, but I know you've been in this industry for at least a little bit longer than that right now. Have you seen a trend towards people caring more about having a vet look at their fish? Absolutely. And I think the first hurdle to come over is the knowledge that there are vets out there. So the AAFE's website does a great job with that, with the find a fish vet locator. As soon as I overcome that with a lot of people, they're like, when can you start helping me? And what can I learn? I have all these questions. It's just, we're so early in this experience of having private practitioner fish vets. It's a whole new frontier. It's very exciting, but we have to like get it out there in the first place that we're there, which is why reaching out to hobbyists and establishing confidence with them is so, so, so important. Well, it's super interesting. And, you know, I'm sure it's going to continue to evolve as time goes on. And I know you had a crazy story involved with some of the people you work with, but I would love to hear it. I'm loaded with crazy stories. I kind of fangirl over one of these people in the hobbyist groups that I work with. It's a new trend in home aquaria called the Wallstad method. It's very, very, very cool. Basically, it's a little self-contained ecosystem that you build. So you're designing it with plants and really super low tech But it's like one of those biospheres, if you've ever seen those that are kind of death chambers, right? Like I think any aquatic vet is like, this is so sad, but this is an actually like self-contained flourishing little ecosystem. And she's starting to talk more to people about running heavily planted tanks without any filtration media in it at all, no filters. And the plants do all the work and it's just amazing. It is so cool to me. And I'm a much bigger nerd about her than I'm sure she is about me, but getting to meet people like that, I would have never known that she lives in my area if I hadn't worked with the hobbyist group. And I, I think she's really amazing. (laughs) So it's really cool. The Wallstad method, and it's very popular. People are really getting into it and it's fascinating to see what they're able to achieve. So getting to talk to somebody like that, like there's a totally a benefit for me there too, just as a big dork, like getting to talk to somebody about that. For sure. No, she sounds super cool. I want to be friends. Diana, if you hear this, let's be friends. (laughs) I was going to ask. So I know another really important aspect of your practice and building that relationship between veterinarians and hobbyists and and other clients is understanding how to appropriately use over-the-counter medicine and other things that you might prescribe. 
So how does that process work for you in educating your clients? So that is a battle that we are never going to win as fish vets is the battle against over-the-counter medications. We are never going to make them go away. We are never going to convince our clients to stop using them because they're cheap and easily accessible. My big goal is to empower my clients to make really good choices. So I like to say at our appointments, bring out everything. I want to see everything that you have ever dumped in this tank and I want to talk about it. And I'm going to go bottle by bottle with you and tell you what's in this, when to use it, when to not use it, or if you should just like straight up throw it in the garbage, because that's all it is. So there are some products out there and I'm not going to name names because I want to have a career, but there's stuff out there that people swear by. And if you actually use our scientific training as veterinarians and look up things like the MSCS or read the ingredient list, 90% water, 99% water, 0.2% tea tree oil, which is not going to hurt anything, but you're also not treating anything. Come on now. And so I'll be frank with my clients. If it makes you feel better to put this in here until you call me, it's going to be okay because I know the impulse is there, but please know that you're not going to cure this with this medication. Here are the meds that I like for you to have on hand. Here's when I want you to use them, but please also call me and we'll go over it. It's not a hill to die on because we're never going to win that battle. But if we can tell our clients how to make the right choice about what they're using, we're going to eliminate that client that calls us because they've killed their biofilter by dumping every over-the-counter antibiotic in it. And then now we're dealing with water quality on top of a sick fish. It's the same thing with nutrition. So encouraging clients to understand that a huge basis of health for your fish and for your aquarium is providing adequate nutrition. So a wide variety of stuff that's not expired, stuff that has the correct mineral and vitamin balance, reading labels and helping our clients understand that a huge amount of the stuff that's out there is marketing. And so if I can empower them to read through the marketing, to make the right choice, I've ingratiated myself with them and they trust me. I've earned their trust. It's really hard to not be like, why did you put that in there though? Like every once in a while, I'm like, what are you doing? Why? Why did you do that? Like, come on, man. Well, you're exactly right with the marketing and, you know, you walk into one of the pet supply stores and there's just so many choices and they're colorful and they've got pretty pictures of fish and Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And I mean, it's exactly like the same trap that a lot of owners fall in with dog food, right? You know, they fall victim to these buzzwords and no pet product is immune from that. And so if we can just teach our clients how to see through that, we're going to empower them to be good advocates for themselves and for their aquarium. And they're going to want to have a more involved relationship with you because you've shown them that you trust them and that they can trust you. Are these conversations you're mostly having with clients when you visit them? Or I know you're also very big on the social media. Are these things that you're trying to tackle there as well? I am trying to tackle it in both places. So in clients, I always build in time to talk about all of that. And it's part of my intake questions. And it's part of what we go over at their appointment. It's also part of what I follow up with them. But on social media, I'm kind of just scratching the surface of that, trying to not only get the word out that fish vets exist and that we're out there and we're actually doing the thing, but trying to get some decent information out there too. And that has just been so much fun. I'm having so much fun doing that. Yeah. You have a TikTok account that is recently <laughs> active. And here at Aquadogs, we also have a relatively new TikTok account that our amazing intern Cassie is working on. And so all of you listening to go check out both of them. It's Oak City Aquatics TikTok and Aquadogs Podcast TikTok. And hopefully there's a lot of really great content that you can learn as you're watching animals doing head bobbings and music and whatever else happens on TikTok. 
I am way too old to be on TikTok, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> it's been so much fun to see some of these trends that are out there and find a way to apply it to what we do because you reach so much wider of an audience if you can make this information accessible and fun. And I love teaching and I just, I love expanding the knowledge that's out there. You know, I believe really firmly that knowledge is not meant to be hoarded. Knowledge is meant to be shared. And so I don't want to keep this to myself. I don't want to handicap somebody by not giving them this information that they could use. And so I want to equip people with as much as they can. And if I can do that with an Elmo voiceover, I'm going to try to, because it's fun. It is a whole new world out there. But I mean, what you were saying is the epitome of this podcast, right? Like knowledge is meant to be shared and let's make it fun. Let's make it accessible. And that way more people are going to learn. And whether it's TikTok, a podcast, Instagram, like whatever it is, we're getting information out there for people to realize that, Hey, aquatic vets exist. Aquatic vets are real cool. And look at all this amazing stuff we can do for you. Absolutely. And I think that when you find a medium that helps transmit your own personal joy that you have in this field, like you've clearly found with your podcast, it makes it so much better, you know, because it's obvious that you love this and you're doing a great job at it. And so finding a medium that helps express that really makes a huge difference as well. Well, thank you. It really means a lot. And you were just talking about joy. And I know another really big and joyful aspect of your life is your family life and the stuff that happens outside of work. And so I know it was important to you that we had a bit of a conversation about work-life balance and what it's like being in this industry and having kids. So what does that look like to you? For sure. I think it's a really important conversation to have as often as we can with everybody. I have three little kids and they're just amazing and hilarious and weird and take a lot of energy because they're three little kids. But one of the reasons why I left private practice is because I needed more flexibility in my life to be the kind of mom that I was hoping to be while being the kind of veterinarian I was hoping to be. And I know that that is an incredibly difficult intersection to find and to find your happy spot in. And moving into mobile private practice has really afforded me a lot more steps closer to that dream where I can kind of be who I really want to be. And it's not being perfect for everybody because that's not achievable, but it's meeting my own personal goals. So being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to cut calls a little bit early today because I really want to pick my kids up from school. I can do that. And that's been incredible just for my family and for me too. So we were never planning on having three kids. <laughs> we had one and we're like, let's have one more. That would be so fun. Like two little kids and then surprise twins. So <laughs> <laughs> we have like chaos at all times. And it's not even controlled chaos. It's just chaos. But my kids are very good about knowing that I'm heading out to work and they know what I do and they really love it. They like seeing pictures of the fish and we have a fish here. So they like that. They like to tell people like my mom takes care of fish and it's very cute. <laughs> I think it's tough to achieve that balance as a woman in really any veterinary field. So I'm fortunate enough to be making headway there. Do you have any advice for listeners who are like myself, like I'm about to get married, thinking about having a family, looking to enter this field or people who are already involved and potentially looking that way as well? I think a huge part of it is flexibility and potentially surrendering to the universe a little bit. Like sometimes opportunities come up and it just might not be the right time. And knowing that that is okay, that it's okay to say no to things and it's okay to say yes to things. It's okay if how things pan out for you don't look exactly like what you had planned and what you had hoped, but the path kind of narrows itself 
down over time. That's what I kind of tell people. I graduated veterinary school and I felt like I was zigzagging back and forth on this huge path. And it slowly, slowly, slowly narrowed itself down to where I found kind of a happy spot. But it's taken me six years after graduation to find myself in a position where I'm finally like, okay, this is starting to make sense now for who I am and what I want. So saying yes to new opportunities and also understanding that it's okay to say no sometimes too, I think is really important. And I think the wonderful thing about this field is that we are all starting to understand a little bit more that it's okay to want a work-life balance. Like as an example of how things have changed, even since I've become a vet, when I was a veterinary student, I had to back out of an externship during my fourth year with about a year's notice because of some health issues that had come up that I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it to this place. And I got this scathing email from the person who ran the externship saying that, you know, he's not surprised and women are always choosing their families over this. And if I think I'm going to ever have a job in this field and it wasn't aquatics, it was a different field. I have another thing coming because like, how dare I do that? And the thought of doing that to a student now as somebody who would potentially be running an externship is mind blowing to me. So the field is changing and it's more women and more women are starting to have families and men are starting to have families and be more vocal about their time with their families. It's getting better, which is great, but that was only eight years ago. You know, that wasn't that long ago. So, wow. That's, that's unfortunate. That's not like that. It's icky. <laughs> it's gross. Like, you know, and yeah, but you bring up a, a good point that times are changing and I'm just entering the field now, but even recently the ACZM, the American college of zoological medicine, there's a new study that just came out. It was published on January 1st, 2022, and it's titled Effects of Gender on Income and Family Planning for Diplomates of the American College of Zoological Medicine. Really interesting study where they talked to over 200 diplomates about their lives, their income, their family lives. And hopefully we can do an episode more specifically on this in the coming new year, just because it's such a important aspect of this career that oftentimes we choose not to look at because it's kind of the scarier side of things. So I know you've read the study. I'm curious what you took from this, given that you do have kids, you are a practicing aquatic veterinarian. I am so glad that they did the study and I'm so glad that it's published and that we're talking about this more. I was really encouraged by the fact that the women that they interviewed didn't feel like there was much of a gender-based pay gap, which is wonderful. But, you know, as a mom, the part that hit me pretty hard is that a lot of the respondents had said that they felt like they had to sacrifice having a family in order to be an ACZM diplomate and work at a zoo or an aquarium, because I don't mean to be idealistic. And I don't mean to say that it's not hard because it is incredibly, incredibly hard. But I also don't think that it's fair that anybody be expected to sacrifice their dreams for a family and a career. I think we're all better than that. You know, like, I think that the world is better than that. And I think that there's room for people who do all kinds of things. And I firmly believe that you can be a mom and be an aquatic vet. You can be a dad and be an aquatic vet. You can be a parent because inclusive language is important too. So you can be a parent and be an aquatic vet. It's possible. It's nice to be the cool aunt and uncle too. If that, if kids aren't your dream, because that's also okay. You know, like what we were talking about, it's okay to say yes. And it's okay to say no. 
And it's all right that that's your path. But I also don't think that anybody should look back on their lives and say, all right, well, I got to do my dream job, but I never got to have a family. You know, I think that there are ways to make that happen and to figure it out. And we're all just doing our best. But the more that we can talk about things like that, the better we're going to make the world for everybody. And I guess I do sound like an idealist, but (laughs) that's the kind of world I want to have for my kids. You know, I have two little boys and a girl and particularly my daughter is a bit fire and super opinionated. And I don't want to hand her a world where somebody comes up to her and says, you can't do that because I can't promise that she's not going to haul off and sock them, but also she doesn't deserve that, you know, and my boys don't deserve that either. So all we can do is work to make the world a little bit better for the people coming after us. Wise words from Dr. Ashley Emanuel. (laughs) (laughs) Maxine and Nora, if you're listening to this, remember (laughs) that I told you that. Because one of them is named Finn. You can't be an aquatic vet and not have a kid with like a aquatic joke name. That's really cute. That's really cute. <laughs> they're going to listen to this when they're slightly older. Be like, that's my mom. My mom is hella embarrassing. <laughs> like, ew, she was on TikTok. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, Ashley, it has been absolutely fantastic chatting with you today. I loved your stories about the bobcats and the potential bears and having a really heartfelt conversation about what it's like having children in this industry. So thank you so much for being on Aquadox. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're doing a fabulous job. Keep up the good work. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Aquadox. I'd like to thank Dr. Ashley Emanuel for being on the show this week, our sponsors WAVMA and AAFE, and all of you, our wonderful listeners, for tuning in. As always, Check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to stay up to date on the latest Aquadox news. And if you've got an extra moment, please rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I'm Michelle Greenfield. Stay healthy, stay safe, get vaccinated, and we'll see you next time here on Aquadox.